Hey, welcome to everybody at all of our churches and every one of you that are watching online. And if it's one of your first times at one of our churches, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for taking some time out of your weekend to join us. Um, thank you so much for being with us. Now, we are in our second week of a series entitled Anything But Average, and we're discussing what we called last week a very disruptive question. Because here's the thing, once you answer this question, I can promise you it will change the direction of your life forever. In fact, this disruptive question that we introduced last week, you might want to write it down if you weren't with us last week, is this, and that is this, what breaks your heart? Like, what's that one thing that's so emotional to you that you just can't escape it? Or what's that one issue or that problem that just causes you to just say, I can't get this out of my heart. I can't get this out of my mind. It just grabs me. Like, what's that thing inside of you that makes you think, man, that should never happen, or somebody's got to do something about that. And then you get to the place where you go, I've got to do something about that. Because when something breaks your heart, you quit blaming other people for the problem, and you say, I've got to do something about that. Now, here's the thing. You, you may not know the answer to this question yet, and that's okay. It's why we're talking about this question for three weeks, and some of you won't even know the answer to this question once we're done with this conversation because there's some work that God wants to do in you before he reveals to you the answer to this question. And that's okay not to know the answer, but you need to ask it. You just need to keep asking it. And here's why. You need to keep doing it so that you get the answer. Because here's the thing that we're going to talk about today. Once you get the answer, you need to know what you're going to do. How you're going to respond when God begins to reveal to you, here's the thing that breaks your heart. Because what we learned last week is you're going to begin to discover God's purpose for your life when you discover what breaks his heart. Don't miss that. Because see, part of this process is not you just sitting down and going, oh, this breaks my heart. I feel really bad that this is happening to a certain group of people. No, you go, God, what breaks your heart? And then that begins to break my heart. What is that thing? Because as we learned last week from the study of Nehemiah, what breaks your heart is by divine design. What breaks your heart is something that breaks God's heart. And here's the thing. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to really put God's burden in, that he places in your heart first in your life and make that the mission and the vision of your life. But I'm just going to tell you. This is a hard question to ask, this question, what breaks your heart? It's a very hard question to ask because it's going to require something of you. Listen, to act on this question, it's going to cost you. And see, that's why most of us never act on what breaks our heart. Because, see, we are by nature wired to try to save our lives. We want to protect our lives. We want to do anything and everything that we can to avoid anything that might disrupt the plans that mess, might mess up the comfort of our life, that might mess up the dreams and the ideals that we have for life. But here's the thing we're going to discover. The only way to experience anything but average is to realize that you can't be about you. You need to live your life about giving yourself to something so much bigger than and so much beyond you. In fact, don't miss this. The difference 
between an anything but average kind of person, a person who just lives an average life, and those who live an extraordinary life, it boils down to one word. And it is this word, commitment. And what is commitment? Commitment is the price you pay to create positive change. And that is true in any area of your life. Commitment is the price you pay to create positive change in any area of your life, whether that be your physical life, whether it be your emotional life, whether it be your financial life, your mental life, your spiritual life. It's especially true in your spiritual growth and in your spiritual life. Now, let me just explain why that is so important for us to understand. Here's why. You might want to write this statement down. You are one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with your life, especially for the kingdom of God. Like you are one major commitment away from experiencing something better and so much more purposeful than you've ever experienced in your life before when it comes to your relationship with God. See, the reason that many of us do life and, and we just have this average life, the reason we get stuck in average or good but not great is, is simply because it's like you're walking along and then God calls you to the edge of extraordinary and you're right here at the edge of extraordinary, and you're not willing to take that step and pay that price. You're just too scared to commit. You're scared it might not be worth it when you take that step. You're scared of the unknown if you take that step. You're scared that you might fail if you take that step. You're scared of giving up your life, your dreams, your comfort, your sense of control. You're scared of whether you're capable or not. You're scared to sacrifice and pay the price. So what happens is you refuse to commit to taking that step where God is asking you to step because you're not willing to trust God enough to go forward with him. And see, that, that's why if you really stop back and, and you think about your life, it's why you find that God is continually pulling you to the edge. He's pulling you to the edge of extraordinary over and over and over again. And he's urging us to go all in with him, but he knows that we're afraid. But here's what God also knows. If we would ever commit to trust him and go all in and step into the unknown, extraordinary is waiting for us on the other side. Anything but average is waiting for us on the other side. And some of you right now, as you're listening to this, you, you know, you know you're on the edge of extraordinary. In fact, you've been asking this question all week, what breaks your heart? And God has already been showing you this even before we started this series. And you are scared to death to act on it. And you're caught in this tension because you know what should be done. You just don't know if you are willing to make that kind of commitment and do it. Maybe for some of you, you're at the point in your faith journey where you've really never considered yourself like a church person and... You, you never was a person who was kind of like serious about faith. And so, so you find yourself wanting to go all in and follow Jesus. Maybe, maybe this is you and, and you're caught in this tension too. And it keeps you from committing your life to him because you just don't want to take that next step in your relationship with Jesus. So you just keep coming back because you know, hey, it helps you to be a better person. I mean, we have so many people who, who just didn't go to church before and they started coming here and they go, man, it is so helpful 
And that's great, and we're glad that you're here. But eventually, here's what we all know, don't we? Eventually, the Holy Spirit moves us to go beyond that. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, okay, now it's time for you to take another step. And you fill this pull, pull to surrender your life completely to God and give full control to God. And that commitment, it scares you to death. So instead of taking that step, you're just stuck with this average life. You're just stuck at the edge of extraordinary. You're just kind of living average some of you, it's not about a relationship with Christ, but it's another relationship that you're stuck at the edge of extraordinary. God is asking you to take another step there. Some of you are there with your career. Some of you are there when it comes to giving time to serve. Some of you are there when it's just this whole thing of your constant desire to acquire more things. And you know in your head that God is calling you to live a life of more generosity, to be more generous with your time, and to be more generous with your money. And especially in the area of money, you know that, hey, he wants me to give first, generously first, and then save second and live on the rest. And you just kind of keep backing up from that edge. Because to commit to living that way, to giving first and saving second and living all the rest, you know it's going to cost you something. It's going to force you to change. So you just kind of keep telling yourself, I can't do that. I'll be a generous giver and I'll support these organizations that are making a difference in, in our world when I can afford it. But you know it's not about affording it. You know that. You're just scared to commit. Listen. You are one significant commitment away from making a significant difference and living a more significant life in your relationship with God. But the key word is commitment. So today, I just want to tell you what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do today is we're going to do everything we can to inspire you to step out over the edge, to get out of your comfort zone, and quit blaming everybody else for the problem and say, God, what breaks your heart? Because what breaks God's heart always has eternity involved. It always is about our eternity. It's not just about making a better life right here and now, but it's also about a better life for all eternity. Saying, God, what breaks your heart? And help me to understand the burden that you're trying to impress upon my heart. So we want you to step out over that edge, get out of your comfort zone, and then commit your life to saying, God, I don't even know what breaks my heart yet, but I am going to make the commitment here today to live that out as soon as that's clear. Now, to do that, we're going to take you to an obscure story found in a historical document called 1 Kings. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to the index and you can find 1 Kings and then turn there. Now, if you use an electronic device, it'll be a little bit easier. Go to the index and you can just pull up 1 Kings. Now, the details of 1 Kings, what 1 Kings does is it details all sort of information about the ancient history of the nation of Israel. In fact, 1 Kings, it was written about 550 B.C., and it gives us basically this play-by-play -play of the kings and the prophets and the other key players in, they, in, in Israel's history for more than a period of almost 400 years. Now, here's the thing. 
In this history, we're introduced to two very central figures who both were prophets for the nation of Israel. Now, in those days, a prophet was like a spokesman for God. And basically what would happen is God would give them a message to deliver to either individuals or to a group of people or maybe even to the entire nation. And and he would often even use them not only to deliver a message, but he would have them perform miracles to demonstrate his power to the people of Israel. So these prophets were very significant figures, especially the two that we're going to be looking at today. And one of the most probably the most powerful, well-known prophets in Israel's history was the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah, he lived in 9th century BC, and he lived during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. Now, if you know anything about Ahab and Jezebel, they were really, really wicked people. They were not followers of God. And so oftentimes, Elijah, he would be battling Ahab and Jezebel because of the message that he would be delivering from God. But here's the interesting thing. Even though that was going on, Elijah was very well respected in the country. In fact, he performed 14 different miracles that are recorded for us. One of them just turned Israel toward God in a way that they had not followed God in a long time. So he is very, very significant. Now, he's also significant in the fact that he introduces us to another guy, and don't miss this, who teaches us how to make a commitment and pay the price for positive change when it comes to following God. His name is Elisha. His name is Elisha. Now, here's the thing that's interesting about Elisha. Elisha was a farmer. So no matter who you are, here's the thing I want you to understand. God wants to use you to make a significant difference in this world. He really does. Now, Elisha, he lived in a town that was located near the Jordan River, and it was a town that was very rich with fertile farmland. And uh, as we're about to see, Elisha had this perfect situation with this very successful farming business until God showed up and led him to the edge of extraordinary. Don't miss this. So he's this farmer. He's loving what he's doing. Very successful. I don't know if he ever thought about that God was going to use him to step out and do something significant with his life. But God brings him right up to this line of extraordinary. And he has to decide whether he is willing to pay the price to commit to doing what God has called him to do. So, we pick up the story with God telling Elijah to go anoint Elisha to be his successor. And here's how the story goes. 1 Kings 19, beginning in verse 19. So, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphath, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Now, what's interesting about this statement is this. That a normal farming family in Israel, they would have only had one pair of oxen with one plow. But Elisha's family, they have 12 yoke of oxen and 12 plows. And here's the thing. When you look at that, you understand they are running this major operation. They have not only 12 yoke of oxen and 12 plows, but they have enough farmhands to have them all out there working together. Which means, old Shapheth and his family, they probably are apparently pretty successful. 
So Elijah's future, it's pretty secure. It's pretty much set. Basically, he's going to inherit a very successful family and some major wealth one day as well if he stays with his family farm. So Elisha, he's out there plowing, and Elijah shows up, and he does something very unique. Notice what he does. Elijah went up to him, and he threw his cloak around him. And then Elijah, he just keeps walking on. He doesn't say a word. And that just seems kind of weird to us, doesn't it? But in their culture, Elisha knew who Elijah was, and he knew what that cloak being thrown over his shoulders meant. See, in Elisha's day, the cloak of a prophet, it represented something. It symbolized power. It symbolized position. It symbolized authority. So when Elijah threw his cloak around Elisha, he was actually making a job offer to Elisha. Literally, he was inviting Elisha to leave his career and become a prophet. Now, here's the thing. On one hand, (laughs) that's a pretty flattering thing for Elisha, isn't it? I mean, this is an opportunity to be used by God to make a significant difference. This is an opportunity to be used by God to impact the nation of Israel at a time when it was desperately, desperately needed. But at the same time, on the other hand, if Elisha does this, it is going to disrupt everything. He's going to be forced to give up his career. He's going to be forced to give up the future that he had in mind. He's going to be forced to give up all the wealth and the power that he is set to inherit from his father. So literally in a moment in time, Elisha finds himself on the edge of uncertainty. And, and, and it's, it's like, am I going to step across this? He, he's not just on the edge of uncertainty, but he's also on the edge of extraordinary. And he's trying to decide, is it worth it to commit? Is it worth it to pay the price that God is asking me to pay? Now, here's the thing. Before we read ahead, that's a tension that we all feel or will all feel whenever we have that moment in time when God says, this is what breaks my heart and this is the burden I'm laying on your heart. And you're going to have to make the decision in that moment in time. Will I pay the price? Will I make the commitment? See, here's the thing. In order to experience anything but average in your life, you have to decide to leave what you already have. You got to let it go. You just got to let it go. And I'm going to tell you, that's never an easy decision. You just got to let it go. See, some of you, you've thought about this question, what breaks your heart? And you realize that to act on it means you got to let go of some things. For some of you, it means you got to let go of that future that you had dreamed about. And you've got these plans, you've got these dreams, and you know with what God is beginning to lay on your heart that they're never going to happen if you do what God wants you to do. See, that, that's the tension in your life right now that is causing you to stop short of committing to take that next step to say, yes, God, I will commit to doing what you're asking me to do. Some of you, you're struggling to let go of your failures. You you believe because of your failures in your past that God could never use you and that you'll just be another failure. 
But here's the thing you need to understand. God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. That's why he's calling you to take that step across the edge of extraordinary. I mean, you keep telling yourself, I just can't do that because of something in my past. Listen, listen. Your past can remind you, but it should never define you. Others of you, you're just the exact opposite of that. You won't step across that edge because of your successes. Like you have accomplished some things that have gotten you some places. I mean, it has earned you some perks in your life. But you know to commit to what God is calling you to do. It is going to force you to give up what your successes have afforded you. Some of you, and I think this is probably one of the areas we struggle with the most in our culture right now, is letting go of your time. I mean, to commit, to act on the opportunity that God has put in front of you, it's going to require you time, time that you just don't want to give up. In fact, what you would say is, I just don't have the time. I'm just too busy. But here's the thing we know. We all make time for what's important for us, don't we? We all do. Thank you. So some of you, you can, you can amen this next one. Some of you are struggling to let go of your money. And see, see, here's the thing. Just like Elisha, you know that what God is calling you to do is going to cost you cash if you act on this question. It's going to force you to change financially if you do what God has burdened you to do. So here's what happens. You always get to the edge, and, and, and you just never stop. You never step across that edge. You always stop short of what God is calling you to do. But see, just like Elisha, every one of you that are hearing this today, you are just one significant commitment away from a more significant life, and you are just one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with your life. But many of you go, but I, I just, I've always believed God was going to use me And this story helps us to understand. But there's a step of commitment that you have to take. It is the price that is required for God to use you. And here's the thing. You have to decide. Sometimes, I say this, you have to decide before that moment in time comes if you're going to be willing to let go and to step in something new. And that is the tension that Elisha felt. And here's what he does in verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? In other words, Elijah, or Elisha is saying to Elijah, he says, I, I'm willing. Just let me close this past chapter of my life and, and I'll go with you. I'll go with you. But here's the interesting thing. Elijah looks at Elisha and he says, hey, you just do whatever you want to do. I'm not forcing you to make this commitment. This commitment, it is between you and God. That's where the commitment lies. You get to choose who or what your life is committed to. And let me just say something to all of you listening today, and that is this. That is true for you as well. You get to choose what or who you commit your life to. God will never force you. But if you commit to following God, you have to go all in or it's not following. 
In fact, look at what Elisha does. And I, I think this is the most remarkable part of the story. And you, you don't know how many times over all these 28 years of ministry and leading a church, I've had to go back and say, okay, God, this is the kind of commitment that I've made. And, and I would encourage you to all highlight this portion of this scripture, verse 21, highlight this because it's so powerful. It's what's required of us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Here's what happens. So Elisha left him and he went back. Now, I want to pause here for just a second. So he's going back to his parents to tell them about this commitment that he has made. Now, do you think Elisha started having second thoughts about this commitment? He understood the persecution of the prophets. He understood the difficulty of a prophet's life. He was part of the nation of Israel. He saw how the prophets were treated. So I'm sure he had second thoughts. But he knew this was the commitment he had to make. So here's the question. What do you do once you make that commitment? What do you do to make sure that you don't ever talk yourself out of the commitment that you know that you should make? I want you to look at this. This is so amazing. Look at the level of commitment Elisha shows us that we have to make if we're going to follow God on the path of making a difference for his kingdom in this world. Notice what he does. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Do not miss the significance of this. He burned his plow. He killed his pair of oxen. And then he cooked them over a fire and he fed his family and his friends a good meal, a goodbye meal. Now, I'm just telling you, when you burn your plow and you burn your oxen, that's commitment. That's saying, I'm never going back to what I was before. See, here's what's so significant, so significant about this commitment. Elisha did not leave himself. Don't miss this. Elisha did not leave himself the opportunity to ever go back on what he knew he was supposed to do. He made such a high level of commitment of saying, God, I'm going to follow you, and I'll never leave the door open for me to ever go back on what you've called me to do. See, he was committed to stepping over that edge and never ever turning back. And you know what the end result was? God used Elisha in some incredible ways to impact the nation of Israel. And he's probably considered one of their greatest prophets ever. Now listen, I'm not telling you that when God begins to reveal to you what he's calling you to do, that you need to create a bonfire at your house and have a cookout. I'm not even saying that. But I am telling you that metaphorically, you need to burn your plow. Just like Elijah, you have to say, God, this, this is a defining moment in my life. See, you need to make a defining decision that's accompanied by some dramatic action that symbolizes your unwavering commitment to Jesus and what he's calling you to do so that you eliminate any possibility of ever turning back and missing out on what God has called you to do. Because what God is going to call you to do, I tell you, folks, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going against the stream of culture. You're going against what this culture wants. They want easy. 
They want comfortable, and what God is calling you to do is not going to be, it's going to be anything but comfortable. But you've got to give up to go forward. You have to let go to move ahead. Listen, to live a life of extraordinary, you have to make extraordinary decisions. Now, I'm not telling you this week you go out and quit your job or anything, but here's what I will tell you. You're going to have to quit something if you're going to do what God called you to do. You probably won't have to leave this country, but you are going to have to leave your comfort zone. You probably won't have to give away all of your money, but some of you are going to have to give away some money. You just have to start giving some. Some of you are going to have to give away more. See, when you find yourself at the edge with comfort behind you and uncertainty before you, you have to be willing to commit. That's what extraordinary people do. That's what the people that you admire and respect the most do. That's the people who have changed your world, and that's the people who have changed our world for the glory of God. Don't ever forget this. Commitment, that's the price you pay to create positive change, and that's what is required to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And I'm telling you, I would encourage you to memorize this verse so that on those days that you're about ready to give up, whenever you have stepped out, that it's there to remind you of the commitment that we make as followers of Jesus. And I'm not so sure that Jesus wasn't even referring to this moment with Elisha when he said these words. He said this, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. See, God is looking for and God wants to bless those who are fully committed to him. So here's my question for you, two questions. What is God calling you to do? And some of you are going, I don't know that yet. And that's okay. You just keep asking the question. And then the question that I think is the bigger one that all of us need to answer even before we get the calling is, will you commit to paying the price? See, where's God leading you? And then will you pay the cost? Like, will you walk to the edge and will you refuse to commit as you've done so many times? Because if you do, that's actually a refusal to trust your heavenly father and his love for you. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, folks, the only way to know God fully and to experience him personally, to have him just kind of continually be, you know, just experiencing his work in your life every day on a daily basis, it is for you to step to the edge and to trust and obey him completely. And here's the thing, but when you realize that God is going to use you in an amazing way, you begin to realize that's not really a cost to step across that line. It's really an investment in your future, in your faith, in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood, in the kingdom of God, and in your relationship with your heavenly father. Listen, when you surrender to God, when you commit to serving, when, when you commit to surrounding yourself with people who will support you and that you can support in this process, when you commit to seeking God's purpose for your life before your own, that's when you begin to experience anything but average. But I'm telling you, folks, you have to be here at this edge and then take that step to experience that. Listen, we don't want you to miss what God has for you because you continue to refuse to trust him. So just remember this. You are one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with your life.
And, and while each one of us were one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with our life, in this season, as I've told you, we also as a church, we are another significant commitment because we've made many along the way for making a more significant difference as well in p- impacting our communities for Jesus. And as I shared with you for last week, We've been given the opportunity to purchase the land and expand our impact in the Chipley area. And as I told you, we, after much prayer, we decided that this is the right thing to move forward with the purchase of land in the building, which will give us 10 acres and the building. And we have agreed on a purchase price with the owner of the land for the Chipley campus in that building for just a little over 500000 And uh, let me just tell you why it's so important is because if you've ever been to our Chipley campus, you, you know that there's space kind of puts a cap on them, puts a lid on them, and uh, keeps them from reaching more people who are far from God. So this is going to give us just a huge impact in the Chipley community by getting this property and being able to expand that, building another building on that. I think it's just going to help them do so much uh, more than we could ever imagine. So this month, we are launching a giving campaign, and we're asking you to consider participating so that we can raise $500,000 by the end of the year and own this land and building with no debt. Now, why are we doing this? Because here's the thing. We believe that we as a church have been called to the edge one more time, and God is asking us to step over because we are a church that are full of people whose hearts still break for the lost people in our community, the people who are far from God. So what we are doing right now, what we're asking you to do is we want you to ask God in this season, what does he want you to give above and beyond your regular giving between now and December the 31st? See, while you're over here praying about what breaks your heart individually, because there's a part of your spiritual life and development and ministry that God calls you to do as an individual, but then there's a part that he asks us to do as the body of Christ. So while you're praying for your part, we also want you to ask, say, God, what is my part in helping to purchase this land and building for the Chipley campus? Now, let me just say this. Whenever we talk about money, I always do with a lot of caution, and here's why. There are so many people who are coming to RCC for the very first time, or maybe some of you just coming back to church, and you're learning to trust the church again. And and part of the reason you didn't trust the church is because you watched the way a church handled their money. So whenever money is talked about, we realize it's really easy for people to feel like it's all about money, and we are very sensitive to that. So if this is your first time with us at RCC, or you're just kind of learning to trust the church again, we just want to make sure that during this conversation, part of the conversation, you are off the hook. This is a challenge for all the people who consider RCC their church family. Now, There's a lot of you, you've been part of RCC Church for years, and you have said, hey, I love making these significant commitments, and you're up for more because you know the joy of being part of God's story that he is using us to be a part of. It's just amazing what God has done over these years. And you know that whenever we make big, significant sacrifices, God shows up in a very big way. So once again, we believe that God is giving us opportunity to reach more people who need to experience God's love, his grace, and his mercy, which is why... Inside your worship guide, you received a Rise Up and Build commitment card. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to look at it this week. We want you to pray over it. And you'll notice on the back of that card, there are ways for all of us to participate. For some of you, if you look back on the front side, it'll be a one-time gift. For others of you, it'll be a weekly gift. For others of you, it will be a monthly gift. But some of you, God is asking you to give $5 a week or $5 a month. For others of you, it's $25 a week or $25 a month. For some of you, it'll be $50 a week or $50 a month or $500 a week or $500 a month. I didn't hear anybody say amen on that one. Or, you know, even $5,000. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. 
if when I said $25 a week or $25 a month and you thought I can do that, that's most likely not a very significant commitment. Or if I said, hey, $50 a week or $50 a month and you thought I can do that, that that's not likely a very significant commitment. See, we are always tempted in, in moments like this to quickly tell God what we can do. And so oftentimes what happens is we think, well, I'm going to tell God what I'm going to do and he's going to be this pat on the back and go, good job. And we walk away feeling like we did our God thing, right? But just like Elisha, when God opens up an opportunity, our response should always be to wrestle with God. Not about what we think we can do, but how we can make a significant commitment that will lead to a significant outcome. So this week, we want you to be praying and fasting about what your part will be in helping to fund this purchase. And then next week, we're going to be giving you the opportunity to let us know that. Okay? So be praying about it this week. Don't turn this in this week at all um, because we'll know you had not really prayed about the amount and those kind of things um, for the full measure of this. We think it takes time to really wrestle with God in this process. So here's the thing we want you to remember going away this week, and that is this. You are one significant commitment away from making a significant difference with your life. Here's our challenge to you today. Before you know what God is going to ask you to do as an individual in that ministry that breaks your heart, And before you even get the answer from him for what you are going to be giving, because see, it's not about how much we give, but it's all of us doing this together. Because I'm telling you, when we all come together as a church and do things like this, it's amazing to see how God just shows up and just amazes us. So as as you are praying, here's the thing that I really want to challenge you to do this week. Will, Will you make the commitment today to say, God, I don't know what this ministry is going to be that you're going to lay on my heart. I feel this burden, but God, I don't really know what that is. And I don't even know what my commitment needs to be yet. But God, when you show me, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to burn the plow. I'm going to let go of the old and I'm going to commit to following you wherever you lead me in either one of these areas. I am going to be all in. That's my commitment, God. I'm going to say yes in advance. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us to be such devoted followers of you that we will say yes in advance to anything that you call us to do. God, I pray that you help us to grow in our love, in our understanding of who you are, to the level that we can trust you no matter what. That we can trust you when comfort is behind us and uncertainty is before us. That we'll say, God, I'm all in. I'm burning my plow. God, I pray that you help us never quit being a church like that. A church that when you show us, here's the next step, that we won't step in and burn the plow. God, I pray that you'll help us to never be complacent followers. You are not complacent. You saw our need, and you stepped in, and you sacrificed beyond anything that we ever imagined for us. And I pray that you will help us 
to make that kind of commitment to following you and loving others well in our communities. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for being with us this week. We'll see you back next week.